Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Well, hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. Today, it's another bite-sized episode in which Perco is going to be uh, grilling me about uh, one of the chapters in my book, The Act of Leadership. But before we get to the grilling, Perco, how on earth are you, sir? I'm very well, Daniel, and uh, looking forward to getting you onto the hot plate, <laughs> the, the grill, the skillet that I've been uh, pre-warming for you. <laughs> looking forward to hearing your sizzle. All right. Well, I'll, I'll do my best. What, what do you got for me? <laughs> Well, in this one, I wanted to look at the uh, chapter in your book, which is specifically around the concept of change and why change is, let's use the word interesting, why change is interesting in organisations, not always easy, uh, not always managed brilliantly, but how can people address change? Mm. I think, well, I mean, that's a massive question, right? (laughs) How can we address change? I think, um, you know, the reason I wrote this chapter is that... um, we all understand, I think, that change is hard. I think we all get that. I think we all have experienced um, change initiatives, whether they're on an organisational level or a, an individual level. You know, even trying to set a, a New Year's resolution or trying to um, adhere to a new exercise or, or dietary kind of routine. We, we've all experienced the um, you know the challenges associated with with choosing to make a change and then sticking with the change which I think is usually the, the the harder part and yet and this is the interesting bit is we all when we I guess get tasked with this as a, as a leader or we we have a bright idea you know uh, on a holiday and we think oh we should definitely do that when we get back on some level we, we think that none of that challenge none of those issues will be a, a problem for us this time around we kind of just come in and and think yeah yeah this is the new thing we're doing and you know when we talk about how do we address change I think there's a lot of work and a lot of things which need to be considered over and above just you know what the new thing is and and then hoping that we're going to get people on board you know hoping hoping that people will see it the way we see it and so that's why it you know in in the chapter we dig into lots of different frameworks and theories which you know, not necessarily tell people how to address it that's certainly not the case but hopefully it shines a light on some of the reasons why change in the past either on an individual or, or organizational level hasn't worked and and how they might consider going about things a little bit differently the next time they embark on a change initiative. Yeah. Let's explore that a little bit then, Dan. You know, what are some of the reasons that the change perhaps is so challenging and why it often fails uh, and some of the things that people can consider uh, in order to have more successful uh, change initiatives? Mm, I think um, from what what we've seen in our work, Tim, you know, is that um, often the case for change, you know, so right at the start, you know, why are we doing this, um, simply hasn't been communicated in as authentic a manner as possible and as an effective as manner as possible and, and in a manner which actually allows people time to make the connections they need to make in order then to make the change. You know, a lot of the time, um, it's just assumed that if I come in with a well-articulated plan, 
or um, I can show you the research that says this is the new thing that we should be doing, then there is an assumption that people will buy that rational argument and they'll go, oh, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, we should definitely do that. I'm all in. And the reality is that's very, very rarely the case. You know, when we talk about communicating the reason for a change, I think too often we mistake it with articulating the reason for change. I'm going to come in, I'm going to tell you why we're changing. But when we're talking about communication, what we're really talking about is getting a shared understanding, a shared language around this, a shared, you know, um, buy-in and and being able to, everyone being able to understand and then share, well, why are we doing this? And not just why are we doing this, but why are we doing it now? Um, you know, I reference uh, John Cotter's book, uh, Leading Change, in, 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 the, in my book. And in his book, he talks about um, creating urgency, creating the sense of urgency for the change is the most critical step in the change initiative. Because without that sense of urgency, you get complacency and people can make counter arguments to your rational argument as to why we should do things. It's like, well, yeah, I know. I know we could do that, and I know we perhaps even should do that, but you know, not now, not right now. You know, we're all right at the moment. If it's not broke, don't fix it kind of argument. And he makes the case really strongly in his book that it's really, really critical that we create that sense of, uh, okay, not only this is what we're doing, but this is why we're doing doing it, and critically, this is why we're doing it now. And that's really what we call the vision. And you know, it's quite interesting, I think, when you go into uh, any kind of organization and ask people, you know, why, why do you think we're doing this? It's remarkable how many variations on the vision people have, you know, without that vision, you know, if people can't clearly articulate the what, the why and the why now, then they're somewhat confused as to why we're doing something. And mm. as an antidote to confusion, people just make up their own reasons. You know, why are we doing it? Don't know. She's obviously read a book. You know, uh, why are we doing it? Don't know. He's been to a conference or they're building their CV. And, and, and often, you know, the, 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 uh, the stories that other people tell about why we're doing something is rarely, mm. rarely the reasons that we have come up with, the, you know, our thinking around why, why it's important that we do the, the new thing now because mm. that's um you make me think about theories of motivation as well when when we're talking about change that idea is that and you know this cotter talks about this as well the the coalition building a coalition of of people who are going to support that change and theories of motivation tell us that people really need some agency some volition some autonomy to be motivated to do something mm. um and i would imagine that building that through the vision it's not about just, as you suggest there, articulating a vision, telling people how it's going to be. It's about really communicating it, which must be inclusive of a few stakeholders, I would imagine, for it to be likely to be more successful. Well, absolutely. And also by including more voices at that stage of the crafting of the vision or even testing, testing your vision. Like, you know, do you think this um, is a worthwhile um, avenue to pursue? You know, what you're able to do is then challenge what, you, what you're thinking. You see, what one of the big issues, I believe, in change is that usually the person who's brought up the change initiative has spent a fair amount of time thinking about it. 
You know, they've done a lot of research. Perhaps they've gone on visits to other organisations to see how things are done there. Perhaps they've been networking with their counterparts in, you know, different um, departments or different uh, businesses or, diff you know, whole different fields to, to get a sense of, well, how, how could this be done? And then after doing all that, they've distilled it down and they've been able to contextualise it. And so they've, they've spent a lot of time, you know, contemplating what this change means and the importance for doing it right now. What happens is they then go in and you know, distill this for, for a group of people who up until this point haven't spent that time thinking about it. They're blissfully unaware that this is even a thing. Mm. And the person who's you know, trying to instigate the change often becomes quite frustrated when the others don't immediately get on board with them. And so sometimes, and I was working with someone just this week where I, I, I sort of reflected back what he was saying. You know, he, he literally said, you know, I've been thinking about this for years. You know, I just don't understand. You know, I shared it with them last, last week and I just don't understand why they don't get it. And, and I said, you know, well, I said, well, let me just reflect back exactly what you just said. You know, you're, you're saying you can't understand why a group of people didn't immediately understand something that it's taken you years to think about. You know, it's taken you your whole professional career to get to this point where you go, oh yeah, something needs to happen and it needs to happen now. And we think that a carefully crafted PowerPoint presentation or a pithy one-liner will be enough to get people on board. And it simply isn't. You know, we need to respect the fact that people haven't been thinking about this stuff to the level you have. And so you have to, if you're interested in creating change, you have to create that space where people can start contemplating it they can start pushing back they can start testing their own ideas their own assumptions they can push back against your position and it's not done as a case of well you know this is my idea and this is the right idea it's actually done really authentically in a way that we can communicate and we can come up with a shared understanding and a shared language and a shared vision and a lot of people will say to me yeah Dan that's lovely but we don't have time for that and I said well if you don't have time for that you don't have time for your change. Or if you don't have time for that now, make sure you make a load of time for sorting out all the mess, mm. all, the, all, the, all the arguments, all the, all the missteps and mistakes that happen down the track. Because if you don't make time for it now, you just, you're going to end up paying for it down the track. Yeah, and you use the phrase there, Dan, get on board you know, with this particular change. And I know the subheading of this particular chapter is stop trying to get people on the bus. Mm. And... You talk later in the chapter about this, you know, the act of leadership that you specifically discuss here is building the bus, let's build the bus together, um, yep. which is an interesting element of exactly what you've just distilled there, I would suggest. I th yeah, I think so. I mean, I th again, I think there's this um, belief sometimes that leaders are responsible for doing all the all the thinking and, and all the, all, all, you know, all the building of the bus for them people to get on that bus. And, and the irony, of course, of that is that nobody wants that. Hmm. nobody wants that they say they do they'll say things like oh you're on the big books mate you need you need to go and think about this you know come come and tell me what it is you need me to do and so when people do that and they come back and they have a leader that says hey this is the new thing get on board people then get cranky that they oh i wasn't included why didn't you ask my opinion hmm. on this hmm. right and so it's about sort of redefining the norms of of how we lead and and one of those norms is you know how much more powerful would it be if instead of trying to get people to buy into your vision, you actually understood the vision of your team and aligned it with your vision, you know, because the point is, as you, um, you know, you've mentioned 
volition and agency a few times there there is you know there's some fundamental human requirements or you know elements of behavior which means we're more likely to engage um in our work than than not if if we're all pulling in the same direction you know with a sense of belonging to something bigger than ourselves and there's you know i i i explore a pretty simple but quite powerful technique called appreciative inquiry in in uh, chapter eight there which allows leaders to take an idea to a group of people but then facilitate the uh, communication around them facilitate the workshopping around that idea in a way that it's really respectful of the team's perspective, the team's expertise and experience, and the team's volition and agency in well, what does it mean to achieve this idea? And then the re- I, I believe, you know, really mindful, insightful, and probably the most impactful leaders are the ones who then are able to then go away and craft that in a way. And you know, and again, a, a little Instagrammy meme, you know, so that these people feel like change is being done with them as opposed to to them. And that's basically the, the bottom line. You know, if you wanted to skip the chapter, you know, that's the bottom line. You know, we, we want people to feel like change is being done with them as opposed to to them. Yeah. Well, I would suggest that you don't skip this chapter because for me, this chapter really is one of the fulcrums of this book in the sense that leading change initiatives within any organisation is always a challenge. It's easy to do it badly uh, and perhaps by looking through the frameworks that you've incorporated and some of the research you've incorporated into this chapter, uh, Dan, it'll be really helpful for people as Mm. they try to implement the change initiatives in in their organisation. Yeah, well, that's certainly the uh, certainly the the hope, and um, and you know we get we're already starting to get some really nice feedback because the book's been out there now for a month, um, you know, and people are starting to share back some of their um, you know their insights and some of the things that they're thinking about as a result of reading it. So yeah, it's certainly my hope that people um, get something of, of real value out of each and every chapter, and um, yeah, hopefully um, that that they end up you know, empowering their people in, in ways that perhaps in the past has, they've struggled to do. Yeah, well, thank you very much for this Bite Size today, Dan. As you're suggesting there and as we've talked about as well, you know, it's one thing to read this book and it's another thing to actually start to put these acts of leadership into action and it'll be really interesting yeah. to hear how people uh, who've read the book are starting to put 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 elements of this book into action and uh, yeah. hear back how successful or otherwise they've been with that. Yeah, absolutely. And on activeleadership.com, you know, readers can uh, jump into the Leaders Learning Hub, which is entirely free, and it's got heaps of other um, complimentary resources and podcast interviews, which will really help them, you know, develop frameworks which are, um, you know, relevant for their people. And of course, you know, um, if you haven't bought the book yet, I mean, honestly, I've got no idea what you're doing with yourself. But if you haven't (laughs) bought the book yet, you can um, head over to activeleadership.com and you can actually download the introduction there for free to get a taster before, you know, you part with any cash, before you go all in. You know, have a a read of the intro for for, for free and then, then obviously, you'll think it's definitely worth uh, getting on board. And, And let me tell you, Tim, it's available everywhere (laughs) good on you dan well great to have another bite size with you today um and look forward to our next catch up cheers mate take it easy